What up, what up, what up, what up? How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? If I came in late, it's because I'm in London and I'm overseas, baby. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Brian Westbrook. He is in New York. And uh, we're going to have a good show in it. You, How you feeling, B. I'm West? Feeling, How you doing, Governor? I'm feeling good. You got a little accent. Ever since you've gone, gone to London, you seem like you sound a little different. You sound a little bit better, actually. Mm. A little bit better. Hello, love. Uh, wouldn't you know? I'll tell you what's what's been amazing is so I've learned a lot. So I was at my brother's bachelor party in New Orleans and then I flew to London and I've been here for about a day and it was it was so cool, man, because like all the the TVs had like huge soccer matches on. And then we had all these listeners of the Left Coast show and they were asking about you, B West. Really? And listeners of Stick to Football, all all in the back of this bar watching Red Zone going absolutely nuts when Jameis Winston's fumbling the ball and Jacoby Brissett's making plays. And I could tell everyone's looking at the back. And, and these Scottish guys are coming up to me, and I don't understand a word they're saying. <laughs> but, dude, it was so cool to feel the love, man, because they're listening to us over here, dude. It's pretty awesome. Well, I'm glad they're paying attention. Have you seen any of the castles? The things that I love the most about London is that you're walking around as buildings, things like that. Then you turn a corner, and then boom. There's a castle right there. Obviously, the horses have their own castle where they keep the jewels at. The queen, they have their own castle. It was pretty cool. Have you seen any of that while you've been over there? Right now, it's been a lot of, like, New York vibes. Okay. Like, I'm just kind of walking around the streets of London and enjoying it. Um, haven't seen a ton of castles. But speaking about size, so many people commented to me about how big I was compared to how big <laughs> they thought I was going to be. And then also just, like, the sheer size of Americans compared to, to people that live in England. Uh, I just said, listen, man, we grew up eating Lunchables and preservatives, and we are a thicker type of human That's right. than they have over over here, but dude, I went, I went to a casino last night to watch chiefs Packers and I was there until four in the morning. Wow. We always talk about how in, in California, they get to start watching games at 10 AM and it ends at like 10 PM. Well, in London, if you want to watch football, American football, you're starting at 6 PM and you're going until 4 AM. And I did that last night at the Hippodrome. And it was me. And all the bartenders, Westbrook, you'll love that. They're wearing Jaguar shirts and Seahawks shirts. And they have no idea what team they're rooting. They're asking me, is this team good? And I go, yeah, they're okay. But, dude, I was at a casino till 4 a.m. last night watching Packers Chiefs. It was when awesome. We played in Wembley Stadium when I was with the San Francisco 49ers. We go into the stadium, and there's a million people there. So the stadium is packed full. But they're all different jerseys. And so throughout the game, you have people just cheering for no reason. Oh, it's a punt. Yay! They're cheering. They're going crazy. Oh, it's an interception. They, they were going crazy over. They called a timeout. Yay! Timeout, timeout. And just, it's crazy. It's also a great fun. They enjoy the game over there. There's no doubt about it. They have no alliance, no allegiance to any team, though, which is kind of the funny part when you play over there, uh, when, when they're just cheering for whatever happens in a football game. They, it's true. At the same time, Everyone was telling me Jacksonville is playing out here next week. Yeah. And they said Jacksonville is the one team that when they come out here, it gets sold out immediately because that's the team that they're expecting to come over. Yep. Westbrook, I'm curious, when you came over here, were you guys able to like hit up the nightlife and like go out? Like were, when you, I know you can do that when you travel in the States, but when you came to London, did you guys party at all in London? Yeah, so we got there uh, early on in the week. And so we got there, right? We, so we came from Carolina, went straight to London. So we were there on Monday and uh, we stayed in the countryside. So Mike Singletary, the one good thing that he did was made us stay in the countryside, not in the city. And that didn't stop the guys from having fun. Uh, I was I was probably the oldest guy on the team at the time. And so I, I didn't have as much fun as some of the other guys. So I kind of stayed around the hotel, hung out with the family a little bit that way. But uh, a lot of the guys had a lot of fun in the countryside of London. It was it was pretty epic. Some of the stories that I got told when they came back the early, early wee uh, hours of the morning when they got back. And so it was fun.
All right, so when I get back on Wednesday, we might have to share some of those stories. I'm expecting to hear some stories. That game, Packers-Chiefs, Oh, I'm going to give it to you, but I also need some of those old stories. But Packers, Chiefs, uh, no Mahomes, and uh, one English dude at the bar said, it sucks they don't have Mahomes. <laughs> and I was like, that's an interesting way to say it. And then another English guy behind me goes, goes man, I really wish they had Mahomes. And I was like, this is incredible. Um, it was still a phenomenal game. Aaron Rodgers is a freaking legend. The fact that he threw three touchdowns and they all went to running backs, yeah. and that was the number one complaint that I heard from Packers fans all offseason was get the ball to Aaron Jones. Dude had 159 receiving yards. Probably would have had 200 if he didn't step out of bounds on that one play. And I'm watching Green Bay and I'm going, this team has beaten everybody that's been put in front of them. The one game they lost was our Eagles. And to be honest, they got jobbed on a number of calls in that game. And they're doing this all without Devontae Adams. How impressed are you at the Packers right now? You know, I'm really impressed. And the the biggest thing, and, you know, I I just have to try to get inside of Aaron Rodgers' head as he goes against the the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And so I, I just kind of felt throughout the entire game, uh, Aaron Rodgers was kind of looking side out of the corner of his eye at the sideline for the Chiefs and saying, yeah, that's how you do it. That's how an MVP does it. That's how a Super Bowl champion does it. That's how I, Aaron Rodgers, can do it. And you sit on the sideline and kind of watch it a little bit because last night he was terrific. He's throwing the ball all over the place. No look passes. Yeah, he can do that too. The, the, the scrambling out, sidearming it to the back of the end zone. Yeah, I can do that too. He made people around him so much better. And again, it's weird because – as an Eagles fan, I'm always saying Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. And I'm, the one question is, can he make the people around him better? The great quarterbacks make the people around them much better. We saw that last night with Aaron Rodgers. And obviously Aaron Jones just had a day last night. I don't know if that pass was intended for Jamal Williams or Jimmy Graham. The one that Aaron Rodgers ran was getting sacked by two people and flicked it sideways, yeah. and and Williams caught in the corner of the end zone. But it, I I started running around this London casino, Westbrook, going, "He's the goat! He's the goat!" <laughs> and the bartenders are laughing, and they're like, "Who are you talking about?" I'm like, "It's Aaron Rodgers. He's the best." What's so funny is you look at his statistics. Aaron Rodgers right now is second in the NFL. NFL in passing yards. He has a touchdown to interception ratio of 16 to 2, a quarterback rating over 106, and he hasn't had his best wide receiver for three weeks. But he was a guy that we have not been mentioning in the MVP race. He is up there with the Deshauns and the Lamars and all of these other players, maybe the defensive guys. But right now, Aaron is playing out of his mind. I'm so happy for him. In terms of the Chiefs, Matt Moore looked really, really good against the Packers filling in for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs as a team. I'm still worried about this defense, but in my mind, they're clearly a top three team in the AFC. Definitely a top three team for Andy Reid and the Chiefs. That defense is going to be their undoing. It's hard for them to get a consistent run game with McCoy, and I don't know how much Andy Reid wants to run the ball at all. Anyway, the, the big question for the Chiefs will always be, what can Steve Spagnola, their defensive coordinator, be able to do on the defensive side of the ball to stop a team. There were a couple times where I thought they would be able to get some pressure and, you know, maybe their DBs will hold up a little bit. But, you know, throughout the entire season, not just this game, their defense has gotten run on, their defense has gotten passed on. You know, if you're going to have a halfway decent defense, you have to at least stop one of the the two. You can't allow teams to be uh, two-dimensional on you. And right now, the Kansas City Chiefs will allow you to run the football. They'll allow you to pass the football whenever you want to. They're just giving up everything and unfortunately without that special player underneath center Patrick Mahomes even though Moore had a really good game without that special player that can put up 35 points a game it's going to be hard for this team to win consistently because their defense is just it's it's almost like Swiss cheese you just got holes in it whatever you want to do offensively if you want to have a, a, a game that gets your offense going again play against the Chiefs 
Because you can do anything against these guys, and Andy Reid has to find a way to fix it. Kansas City's defense right now has allowed 30 points or more in three of the last five games. Yeah. I will say this, though, about the Chiefs. The thing that I think people are forgetting is the injuries on this team, and when they get healthy, it's going to get dangerous. They didn't have Mahomes on Sunday night. They didn't have their starting left tackle, Eric Fisher. But more importantly, they missed Chris Jones again. They didn't, have, So they didn't have their best interior defensive yep. lineman. They didn't have their best pass rusher in Frank Clark, and they didn't have their their best cornerback in Kendall Fuller. But that raises another question about your dude, Andy Reid, that I have. Because with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, they're at their own 40, and they're down seven. And Andy Reid punted the ball, and he never got the ball back. And my question is, what did you see leading up to that of the 31 points that you'd allowed that thought you were going to stop Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Aaron Rodgers? I didn't see it. And for me... I thought Andy was like, look, Matt Moore's playing well. Travis Kelsey dropped a few balls, but Tyreek Hill has been phenomenal. If LaShawn McCoy doesn't fumble, we might have the lead here. But I don't know why he punted. For someone that has been really aggressive, it just surprised me. And to me, he kind of gave the game away. Yeah, it surprises me, you know, too. I think the way that Andy looks at it, really probably all coaches look at it, is that if it works out, you go down there, you get a stop defensively, which you're paying your guys to do which you haven't done all game, quite honestly, kind of like you mentioned. If you get a stop, then you get the ball back in good situation so that you can go down there and try to score five minutes left. You expect your defense to be able to get a stop. Unfortunately, you also got to look at what has happened the entire game. Your defense hasn't got to stop almost the entire game. They've, they've done a terrible job of uh, stopping this offense for the Packers. They can't stop the running backs from getting open on, on uh, simple routes out of the backfield, things like that. And so if you're Andy Reid, I, I would have gambled and gone for it. But you're almost in a no-win situation. If you, if, you, if you don't punt it and you don't get the first down, then Aaron Rodgers has 40 yards, 50 yards to go, and, and they're in the end zone. A couple more, a couple more yards, they're, they're in field goal range. And if you do go for it, as far as uh, kicking the punt, and you don't get the ball back, you lose that way too. And so it's a bad situation to be in. To me, I would rather be aggressive. I would much rather be aggressive. Andy Reid is much more old school. He's not like some of these younger coaches where they're going for it on fourth down a bunch of times, things like that, two points conversions. He's thinking, kick the ball away. We've got five minutes left. Our defense will get a stop. The truth is their defense can't stop anybody. That's the flaw in the thought process. I do not understand why people find comfort in conservative play calling. Yesterday, the Bears, instead of advancing the ball, kneeled the ball down. Eddie Pinero missed a field goal. The Chiefs choose to punt, never see the ball back. The Denver Broncos, they choose to punt. And guess what? Jacoby Brissett drives them down, game-winning field goal. There are times where I look at conservative play calling and I go, for what? For who? For what? To quote the, the famous Ricky <laughs> Waters. My, my question for you is, um, this is a ra- like, I can't believe I'm looking at this. Who do you think the leading passer in the NFL right now in terms of yards is? Just a guess. Um, I know it's not Aaron Rodgers. Deshaun Watson, maybe? So Deshaun Watson is six. They're, they're, these, the number one passing yards leader in the NFL right now is Jared Goff, Jared Goff. which is wild to me. Number three, number three is Phillip Rivers, and number four is Andy Dalton, and number five is Tom Brady. Wow. I am stunned. Sometimes I look at statistics, and I know there are some teams that have had a bye, but the the – They've had more than Patrick Mahomes, I know, has been injured, but Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, it's kind of crazy to me. I just kind of want to get those stats well, out yeah, I'll tell you this um, before we move what on. Else? You got something else yeah, wait, before but I Think move about on? this. You talk about being conservative versus being aggressive, right? And most coaches feel safe being conservative. They feel safe saying, okay, let's kick it away, do the right thing, do the old school way of, of thinking. These younger coaches, I'm trying to tell you, they're like, you know, screw that. We're going to be aggressive. We're going for it on fourth down. We're going for it on, on, on third and short, and we try a pass play. If we, if we need a two-point conversion, we're going for that as well. A lot of the older coaches don't do that because it's not as safe. They don't make them feel as comfortable. But these younger coaches are like, no, you know what? And, and, and this, that kind of surprised me what Matt Nagy did. He had an opportunity. Listen, he's kicking a 41, 42-yard field goal in Chicago, the Windy City, 
and you're not trying to get more yards, your running back is having a great day. Get a couple more yards. Why not? Make it a 25-yard field goal instead of a 42, 41-42-yard field goal. That just doesn't make any sense. That was disappointing when I watched that Chicago game. We have breaking news live from New York City. Yes, the trade deadline is approaching, and thus teams are trading. And the Jets and the Giants have just made a trade. Brian Westbrook, former sixth overall pick for the New York Jets, Leonard Williams, is officially going to the Giants per Adam Schefter for a third and a fifth round pick in the upcoming drafts. The Giants are investing in the D-line, and the fire sale of the Jets has likely begun. Robbie Anderson could be next. A few other guys could be next. But Leonard Williams is now a giant. We saw earlier today Kenyon Drake is going to the Arizona Cardinals. Could be a lot of big trades coming, but this was a guy that was seen as an absolute lock at his position when he went to the Jets a few years ago at six. Great player, active inside. Um, you know, he has the ability to be physical against the run as well as the pass. Get out to the quarterback just a little bit there. You know, the, you, you know the situation that the Jets are in. They're, they're ready to get rid of uh, possibly Robbie Anderson sometime between today and tomorrow. Leonard Williams, a big-time player. This is what the Giants need. They need someone that can help them in the trenches. I think Leonard Williams certainly will help them there. Offensive line is probably their next move if they're trying to win any football games. But I think this is a great move for the Giants that certainly need help in the trenches. That's where you win football games, offensive and defensive line. It will be interesting. I mean, they did use a first-round pick, too, on Dexter Lawrence, so they have a lot of young size. And if they're making that trade, it means they're going to want to invest in Leonard Williams with a contract, which is coming up very soon. So if there's any more trades that happen, we will get to it. And if not, we'll obviously touch on it Wednesday after the trade deadline is up uh, Tuesday night. So to kind of wrap up the Packers-Chiefs game, it was more proof that the NFC is much better overall than the AFC. And I feel like there are three teams that are much better than everybody else in the NFC. San Francisco now 7-0. and Green Bay and New Orleans now 7-1. and All three of them winning yesterday. Drew Brees comes back and throws 373, three touchdowns, yeah. one pick, as though he never missed any time. Green Bay we just talked about. And San Francisco... In my mind, the performance of the weekend destroying a Carolina Panthers team that I have to now go and reevaluate. I've always believed in the Niners. I also believed in the Panthers. But Westbrook, your former team, the Niners, <laughs> holy crap, man. They got a defense. Now, the biggest thing that, that you have to take away from that team is that, first of all, Kyle Shanahan is willing to run the football consistently. Coleman had a good game. But that defense is nasty. And any time that you have a defense that's productive, meaning get the ball back to you, they're, they're certainly getting close to scoring touchdowns. Anytime you have that, you're in any in every game. And that defense will continue to destroy people. Uh, 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 Bosa gets off again. He's sacks and, and interceptions, all different types of crazy stuff that he's doing for that defensive line spot. But they're aggressive and they're nasty, especially in the front line. But when you look at the secondary, they're coming up and knocking people's heads off. They're coming up and being physical in the run game. They're a nasty defense. And if you think back, right, I'm thinking right when Jim Harbaugh got there, that defense was very similar to what it has now. Patrick Willis and and those, Takeo Spikes was there. They had a bunch of good guys right there in the core of that defense and a defensive line that kind of got after you, Alden Alden Smith just a little bit. And they're kind of recreating that again in San Francisco in any team that goes there or even plays on the road because their defense has traveled. Any team that plays against this team has to be concerned about how do you protect your quarterback, how do you not give the ball back to them, and how do you score against this defense? Because right now, these guys are just doing a great job of covering everybody and getting out through the quarterback with four guys. Nick Bosa had three sacks in the first Mm -hmm. half. He had an interception that he brought back for over 40 yards and made three dudes miss. He has seven sacks in seven games. He is clearly right now the front runner for defensive rookie of the year. I read that Richard Sherman says that he's acting like a 10-year vet. And I, I, my guy, Jonathan Abram, he said during the draft that Nick Bosa wasn't that great of an athlete. And I heard this from a lot of people. And I would say it to Abram's face. I'm going to text him right after this and tell him he's wrong. Because what we're seeing out of Nick Bosa, I have never seen a guy, maybe since like Von Miller, come to the league yeah. and have an impact so quickly. But also... 
I, I said this with you last week. The way he interacts with his teammates, whether it's a super vet like Richard Sherman or all those other guys in the D-line, he never takes all the praise to himself. He is the engine right now of this defense. This, this San Francisco team. The next three games, they got Thursday night Arizona, then Seattle, then Arizona. Those Arizona games are very winnable. The Seattle game is going to be a barn burner. After that, though, Westbrook, is when we're going to get the test of this San Francisco team. I already believe they're a great team. But this stretch, weeks 12 through 14, Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, those teams are 19 and 4 combined and Green Bay and New Orleans will be fighting with San Francisco for home field advantage and I'm saying this right now if home field advantage goes through Green Bay you probably just send the Packers to the Super Bowl because I don't see Drew Brees winning there and it's going to be tough at the frozen tundra in January if it's going through New Orleans you might as well send the Saints to the Super Bowl because I don't think anyone's escaping the Superdome. San Francisco, that stretch, they need to find a way to win those games. And Kyle Shanahan, that running offense, 38 carries, 282 yards, and five touchdowns. I don't care if you give it to Tevin Coleman. I don't care if you give it to Raheem Mostert or Matt Breida. Yep. They are going to run all over you. And this Niners team, man, how, are you buying them as the best team in the NFC, or do you have the Packers or Saints above? Them? I still think that the I still think that the Packers and Saints are better from from this point. I know that in a, okay. in, in situations that sometimes the defense doesn't doesn't show up. Just, let's just say the defense doesn't show up. I, I'm still concerned with Jimmy G. Can he get it done? And I know their running game has just showed out and done a really good job offensively, but can Jimmy G carry the torch? That, that You have to answer that. You have to question that. You know, they've had seven games, and four of those games he's passed for less than 200 yards. And so I, I still question, does he grasp the offense? Can he be productive in that offense? And let's just say the opposing team stops the run game. Can he win the football game? I know that Drew Brees can win the game with his arm. I know that Aaron Rodgers can win the game with his arm as well. The, the big question is, can Jimmy G win that game? And I also think that teams that have been there before, the Packers have been there before, especially with the quarterback. Young coach, but the quarterback has been there before. And the Saints and Sean Payton, that football team has been there before. That, to me, I, I give a lot of credence to being there before, that experience, all those types of things. They play big in, in these types of situations. Hey, listen, this team, this 49ers are playing well. However, what happens with a little adversity offensively and defensively? Can they bounce back from that? They haven't been tested in that way so far this season. I'll say this about San Francisco. Number one, what I love about what Kyle Shanahan's doing is everyone keeps reminding us during the games when San Francisco has a lead. Oh, Kyle Shanahan lost the lead in the Super of course. Bowl. Every game that this San Francisco team has a lead, he is smashing the crap out of people, and he's not letting up off the gas. That Super Bowl has put a chip on his shoulder in which he will destroy you until we don't even recognize your logo anymore, and it's phenomenal. Number two, their trade for Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is the piece that Jimmy Garoppolo was missing. Debo Samuel is an amazing athlete on sweeps and draws and all that stuff. Um, Dante Pettis has been okay. I believe George Kittle is the best tight end in the NFL. But if you can create what the nine, what the Seahawks did back in the day, where it was Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham, and Marshawn Lynch, and you can kind of figure out a combo of those three players, and you could do Emmanuel Sanders, Kittle, and whatever running back you want in the backfield, right. I think this offense can get it done. My take is, I think that the Niners match up perfectly with the Packers and awful with the Saints. Here's my reasoning. When the Niners face the Packers, their front four will get enough pressure that they can drop back and make it tough because Aaron Rodgers feasts on man-to-man, -man, yep. but zone's a little bit tougher if the front four gets a lot of pressure. And as we saw with the Chiefs and the Eagles, you can run on the Packers. That's what the Niners want to do. But the Saints is where it gets tricky for me because if you play zone against Drew Brees, you're not going to get pressure on him. He's just going to get it out too quickly and find the holes in your zone. And then you really can't run on the Saints because that defense is so darn good that they're going to have to make Jimmy Garoppolo make plays. So right now, 
I still had the Saints as my number one team, but the Niners look sexier and sexier every time I watch them to be that surprise team to win the cup. You mentioned their schedule. Now, I'm looking at it again. That, that Seattle game, week 10, tough game. Obviously, they're going to have uh, Arizona in twice in a three-week span. I don't think that as, that's an easy as a win as it was a couple years ago, but that's because this Arizona team has a live arm underneath their quarterback with Kyler Murray. They play Green Bay week 12, November 24th. That's huge. That that's a that's a that's a game shifting for for the 49ers. That's going to be huge. Can you outduel Aaron Rodgers? To me, and here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. We, and I mentioned it earlier, and I think this still stands true. There's not, and it's that's at home at too. Home. That's in San Absolutely. Francisco. In San Francisco, but not many quarterbacks feel this way. That um, it's me versus the other quarterback. A lot of quarterbacks are like, you know what? It's me versus the defense, and they say the politically correct stuff. And when I watch Aaron Rodgers, he's trying to outdo that other guy that's on the other side, that's underneath the center. I think that's going to be a tough game. I think when you go to Baltimore, Week 13, that's a tough game. Baltimore will have their defensive starters back at some point, I think, during the season. Trying to figure out how to stop uh, Lamar Jackson is, is a riddle that not many teams have, have figured out and answered quite yet. That's going to be a tough game. Of course, New Orleans again. Then the Rams and then Seattle again. I, I think they have a, a few, four or five good games, tough games, that they have to figure out how to navigate towards the end of the season. If they can navigate that and get three, four wins out of that, then of course you're talking about San Fran getting the home game in the playoffs. That's going to be huge. Right now, if you look at the playoff picture in the NFC, the other two teams that are in, not including the NFC East, because Dallas and Philly, four and three, four and right. four respectively, it's Seattle and Minnesota right now. They're both six and two in the wild card. The one note I'll have about, and, and the true thing is, is I respect both of those teams, but I don't, I am not sure that those are the two teams that will be in the playoffs. Just a little nugget about the Seahawks, their first half schedule. These are the records of the teams they've played. 0 and 8. Two and four, three, four and one, two and four, one and seven. Those are some of the the wins they have, and they have a point differential of plus twelve. So they're playing much worse teams, and they've only won by twelve. Uh, I kind of look at some of the other teams. I could see the Rams sneaking back in. Uh, I have my doubts now about Carolina. I still have my doubts about Detroit, and our Philadelphia Eagles at four and four go into Buffalo on grass where they are now. <laughs> 4-0 on grass. I hope that statistic ends up being real, and they run all over the Buffalo Bills. Every time that Miles Sanders touched the ball, he was out. They ran 41 times for 218 yards. Brian Westbrook, where is your confidence meter right now for the Philadelphia Eagles? My confidence meter certainly has gone up uh, this week based on a win. I, I'll, I just have to be completely honest with you, this Buffalo Bills team was set up perfectly for the Philadelphia Eagles to beat. And, and I'll tell you why. Anytime that you play a good defense, and listen, I think the Bills have a very good defense. Not a lot of name brand players, but they have a very physical, nasty, smash mouth defense, especially up there in Buffalo. You play on a blustery day where the wind is swirling, a little bit of rain. That plays to their advantage. The one thing that they didn't think was going to happen was the Philadelphia Eagles were going to play smash mouth football. And that's exactly what they got. They got a team that wasn't concerned with throwing the football. They wanted to play downhill smash mouth football with Jordan Howard. And that's exactly what they got. Now, here's why they're set up perfectly for the Eagles, because the one thing that has hurt the Eagles all season long is a vertical pass game. Is guys getting deep, getting deep on their on their secondary, and Josh Allen and that Great and that point. offense just wasn't able to do it. They weren't willing to take a bunch of shots. And to me, anytime I'm going to play a secondary that has gotten beat up week after week after week, the one thing that I'm going to test is can they solve that riddle? Unfortunately, because of the wind, because of the rain, that kind of limited the Bills' offense, and they were just sputtering pretty much all day. That allowed the, the Eagles' defense to get involved, and now the Bills' defense, they're back on the field. So they seem like they spent a bunch of time on the field, allowed the Eagles to take advantage of it a little bit. But anytime you get that big offensive line, which before the season, a lot of people were saying was one of the best offensive lines in football, anytime you get those guys some confidence up front early on in the game, and you can win the war in the trenches offensively, and defensively, a defensive line, you're going to have some success, some success, really success. And the Philadelphia Eagles did a great job of that last night, yesterday afternoon, up there in Buffalo. This is the this is the 
second time this season, Westbrook, where the Eagles have gone to play away a very tough defense, and their strategy was two tight ends, pound the rock. They won with this at the Packers. They now win this with at the Bills. And for me, I look back at that Atlanta game and all those stories about how Doug Peterson said they worked all week on their double tight end sets with Goddard and with Ertz. It was something that Warren Sharp has talked about a lot, that that's where the Eagles have the biggest advantage is when they go big and they throw out of big. Deshaun Jackson is starting to practice right now, and I think that's the offensive system that is going to what, what's going to make them great. Carson Wentz, I thought, had a few runs in the fourth quarter that showed that he is an elite athlete and is a winner, and I loved it. But I think what you said is spot on. Do not forget about matchups in football. The Buffalo Bills were not able to take advantage of the biggest weakness of the Eagles. And you know who else won't be able to take advantage of that? Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears next week. It's like the same thing all over again. And if the Eagles somehow go into this bye week at 5-4 and – they got a chance, Westbrook. They got a chance. You know what? I think you mentioned something that I, that I love. And I know Eagles fans across the country really don't want to see this happen. But I, I just think it, 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 it adds so much to the team, similar to the, the same way that it added so much to our team when Donovan was our quarterback. Anytime that you have a quarterback that's willing to run just a little bit, just a little bit. We all know Carson Wentz has a bunch of arm talent. We know that he can make every throw. We know that he can escape ability as far as in the pocket, pocket presence. All those things are great. But his ability to run yesterday changed the course of that football game. It changed the way the defense played them. It also changed the way that offense responded. And I think as a play caller, Doug Peterson got much more loose and comfortable in that game because Carson was willing to take off, and he didn't take a bunch of big hits either. And so that's a great thing for this offense. Listen, we see what Lamar Jackson is doing. We see what Kyler Murray is doing running around and every now and then running the football it's that quarterback position and their ability just to escape and run just every now and then. He had eight rushes yesterday, Carson Wentz did, for 35 yards, which is great. But it, So he didn't have these breakaway runs. But every now and then on third and four, when you run for a first down, that changes the way a defense responds to you, changes the way the defense wants to play you. And th- that 35 yards, to me, made a big difference in the football game yesterday afternoon. If you didn't get to see the game To me, the play of the game that shows you what kind of gamer Carson Wentz was. The Eagles got the ball with 14-29 left in the fourth. Mm -hmm. They went on a 14-play, 83-yard drive that took 8 minutes and 17 seconds. It was the nail in the coffin. But they had a third and 10 at their own 35. And Carson Wentz dropped back and immediately took off for 11 yards, first down, and the soul of the Bills was sucked out. And that's what you need to see from your quarterback. I saw that kind of play from Gardner Minshew yesterday, where Gardner Minshew danced around the pocket on a third and long and found a touchdown. We saw those plays from Aaron Rodgers. I saw those plays from Deshaun Jackson, excuse me, Deshaun Watson, where he spun around on third and goal and had a touchdown. MVP candidates, Super Bowl winners, the best quarterbacks in this league. When your back is against the wall, they do something that your opponent's fans put their head in their hands and your fans shoot up and say, I love this man. And not everyone's got that guy. And Wentz is that guy. It was beautiful yesterday. It was certainly great to see it. And I think you bring up a good point. And this is the one thing that I was wondering about Carson Wentz. And the greats have this is that does he have that special it, that one thing that you can't game plan for, the one thing that you can never say during practice, if you just go and do that, we'll win. Does he have that special thing, that it, that makes you say, you know what, if he can just do that, we'll win a football game. And I think yesterday he showed a little bit of it. Now, the ability to show that consistently makes people great. We'll see this week coming up against a very good Bears defense if he can do it again. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to be nasty. Can Carson Wentz continue to will this football team with his legs and a little bit of his arm to victory? Big-time big test for the Eagles again this week. So in the NFC, I think we agree that there's like a big three, and then there's a bunch of people under them, and it's kind of hard to separate the big three because we have faith in all of them. In the AFC, there is a big one, and then there is everybody else. You can make arguments that the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Colts, they're good teams that can scare people. You can even make the argument that with Deshaun Watson, Houston could scare somebody. But it is the New England Patriots and everybody else, and specifically that defense. Westbrook that defense is giving up 
0.5 points per drive. Teams are scoring on 7.6% of drives against them. They became the first team since 2012 to force takeaways on three consecutive plays against the Browns. When Dante Hightower took that fumble return for a touchdown, it's the fifth time that this defense or special teams has scored this season. Their best corner, Stefan Gildemore, is allowing a passer rating of under 36 this season, and he's always covering the number one wide receiver on the other team. Oh, I'm going to give a few more for you. After eight games, the Patriots defense has scored as many touchdowns, four, as it has allowed to oppose. They've allowed four touchdowns in eight games, and one of them was a freak Golden Tate touchdown. The Patriots have not let a single defender play more than 90% of the snaps this year. Only two defenders have topped 80% of the snaps, Gilmore and Devin McCourty. So this is not a team that's only playing their starters. They're rotating more than any defense in the NFL, and they're absolutely destroying people. What did you think of what they did to the Browns, and how for real is this defense in your I, I think this defense is amazing. And when we look at a defense, you know, there are some defenses that you just can't run on, right? And they're just some – they're dominant in the run game. Usually those defense, they set out to try to stop the run because, you know what, they, they, you know, they have that ability to do that. And so they sell out. They get eight, nine guys in the box to try to stop the run. Those defenses usually you can pass on because there's nobody back covering, right? And there's other defenses that you can pass on. They're saying, listen, we got great man-to-man corners and we're going to play man-to-man on the outside or we're going to help these guys. And, you know, probably you're going to run against those teams. When you're playing against this New England Patriots defense right now, it's going to be hard to run the football. It's going to be hard. It's going to be even harder to throw the football on. I actually kind of feel like you probably can be more successful running the football, and they're okay with that. Nick Chubb, 131 yards last night, a big fumble, uh, you know, but they're okay with that because they know that you can't beat them consistently running the football. I, I just love what they're doing. They're taking the ball away. They're getting it back to the offense. They're a fast break type of defense, and they're scoring. I want to say this about the Patriots. I know everyone's singing their praises. Everybody loves them. I I just want to give it a little context. They play the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're average. They play the Dolphins. They're terrible. They play the Jets. They're bad. They play the Bills. Eh, The Bills gave them a run for the money, ended up beating them by six. They played the Washington Redskins, the Giants, the Jets again, and Cleveland. So listen, I don't, I don't have the total record of those guys that they played so far, but I can tell you right now, there's not very many good teams in that first eight games for the Patriots except for the Buffalo Bills. Now, these next eight games, this is where the rubber is going to meet the road for the, for the, for the New England Patriots, oh, and it's going yeah. to be a big test for their offense more than anything. That defense is going to continue to do their thing. Offensively, I'm a little concerned. And I know they got some help with Muhammad Sanu. I'm a little concerned with their offense. They got the, the Ravens. They got the Eagles. They got the Cowboys. They got the Texans. They got Kansas City. The Bengals bad game. Buffalo will be another tough test. And then Miami, week 17, probably another blowout. But they have some tests ahead of them. And that offense, in particular, will be tested. I, I don't know that I've seen enough from this offense to say, hey, Super Bowl winners right away. Defensively, they, they, listen, it's, no, it's a no-brainer. Offensively, I'm still concerned if they can get it done. And I'm wondering, if you play another team that has a very good offense, what happens to that defense? Does that defense still stand up the same way uh, against the day, day that they have against these terrible football teams that they played in the first eight weeks of the season? Yeah, I think if you look at it by quarterback, and I I think, so a lot of the stats I just read were from Bill Barnwell, who is a phenomenal writer for ESPN, and his main argument was, if you want to say that the Patriots haven't played good quarterbacks or teams, that's valid. But if you want to write off everything they've done as not historic, that's incorrect. And I agree with that completely because we see defenses let up points to bad quarterbacks all the time. So the quarterbacks that they faced... Ben Roethlisberger, Fitzpatrick, Rosen, Luke Falk, Josh Allen, Matt Barkley, Colt McCoy, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. It goes with exactly what you're saying. But those next five weeks, Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Mahomes. What's so interesting is not only all playing really well right now, 
they're all mobile. And so we're really going to see what this defense is like when they face a mobile quarterback, um, especially the fact that they're facing Baltimore on Sunday night and the Ravens are coming off of a bye. So that, to me, is going to be so much more fun to see. But I look at this Patriots team right now, and um, it's so interesting on defense where I don't feel like they're overpowering the offensive line. But I feel like whenever the quarterback throws it, the defender is exactly where they're going to be. It's as if they know all the plays. Like yesterday, Baker Mayfield threw like an underneath shuffle pass right to the defensive lineman on the Patriots. It, it's, you know, the, yeah, last week against the Jets, uh, Devin McCourty is stepping right up into the interception of Sam right. Darnold. And it's. I almost get mad at the fact that they've had Brian Flores and Matt Patricia as their defensive coordinator. If this is what the Patriots defense would have been all these years, if Bill Belichick was just the defensive coordinator, I'm almost a little bit upset that he hasn't been doing it all of these years. If his game planning is this much better without letting someone else handle more of it, Bill Belichick is not only the coach of the year this year, he's the greatest coach of all time. I've never seen anyone have their team more prepared. This was a Patriots team that we thought may take a step back. Their over-under for the season was 11 wins. That's one of the lower over-unders for this team in recent memory. And they have not only not missed a beat, they're performing better than they ever have, more efficiently than they ever have, in spite of their cornerback looking weaker than maybe he ever has. And I look at Bill Belichick and Everyone here in London was saying, man, I hate the Patriots. <laughs> and at the same time, they respect the hell out of Bill Belichick. Yeah. They really do, man. And he has this defense operating a level that I've never seen before. The one thing that you mentioned, and I think it's so true, how prepared are you? How, how prepared are you to go into a game? Just think about this. If you're a corner, a quarterback, right, and you understand, I know what defense they're running before the play even starts. I have an advantage that nobody can teach me. This is something that I know. Just imagine, from the defensive side of the ball, if you know what the offense is going to do, you know what they're trying to do, and you know that you can take away that at any time, you have a different level of preparedness, you have a different level of functionality because you can just take that away. You're right there where they're trying to go before they get there. And, and I'll tell you, I played in games where defenses are calling out our plays before, as soon as we line up at the line of scrimmage. It seems to me that's exactly what the New England Patriots are doing. They, they come to the sideline and they say, hey, they're going to try to run this. They're going to try to run bootleg. They're going to try to run a screen. And then they're going to try to run a draw. And they have all those situations covered and manned up and able to check and stop an offense from doing it. Every single play, they're on top of it. You know, it, It's just hard to argue with anything that you said about the Patriots defense because they've been outstanding all season long. Only thing I'm going to add to just, I'm not throwing any water on this parade, but not only have the quarterbacks have they faced not been good the, like this entire season, but the offensive line these last four weeks have been absolute yeah. sieves. Cleveland, it's a turnstile. The Jets, it's a mess. By the way, stop screwing over Kalecio Semele. It's going to blow up in your face. Oh, wait, it already has. The Giants, Nate Solder is not what he was, and Washington, their best offensive lineman refused to play because the medical staff is that bad. So not only are they playing really good quarterbacks the next five weeks, the Ravens have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So do the Eagles. So do the Cowboys. The Texans are much improved and Kansas City will likely have Eric Fisher back. I'm not saying we're going to figure out if the Patriots are for real. They're always for real. They're always the favorite to win the Super Bowl. But we're really going to see what you said before. The offense for the Patriots is going to have to come alive because I think the Patriots defense is going to come back to the norm a little bit. Not saying that they're going to get exposed, but they're going to be allowing more than five points per game. Brady and that offense is going to have to figure it out. That's why trading for Sanu now is so big to get him up to speed by the time these other tough defenses come into town. Absolutely. And, and here's the other thing. In crunch time, well, who is the one person that they're throwing the football to? Edelman? Probably. Could it be Sanu? Probably. 
You, you know, you have to figure out offensively, what's your identity? Are we going to be a run team? Are we going to be a pass team? Are we going to be a little bit of both? Who is going to touch the ball when the most critical time of the football game comes apart, comes around? Who is going to be that guy? I still think they're trying to figure that out. I think this is a team that when you watch them play, they're saying, okay, we're going to use these first 16 games. We know we're going to make the playoffs because we're always going to be the best team in our division. But we'll use these first 16 games, the regular season, to try to figure out what we're going to be offensively and defensively. Defensively, they figured it out very, very early on. We're going to be a nasty, aggressive defense. We're going to be a fast break. We're going to get the ball back. We're going to do all those great things. Offensively, they're still trying to figure it out. And I think towards the end of the season, you'll see the offense clicking, and they'll figure out, okay, I know who we are. We're going to run the ball 30 times a game. We're going to pass the ball 35 times a game. We're going to get the ball to Edelman and Sanu, and we're not going to worry about anybody else. This is a, a growing process for the Patriots offensively. I still think they, they haven't figured it out quite yet, but I know by the end of the season, Bill Belichick and uh, McDaniel certainly would do that. So Schefter had this report last week, and it's it's so interesting because this always happens in the middle of the year where reporters start talking about Tom Brady's future because it's been this relationship, this trio, these three musketeers of Kraft, Belichick, and Brady that have given us two decades of dominance. And everyone is always anticipating when it finally crumbles. But Schefter said something with so much vigor that it kind of caught me off guard, which was Tom Brady, quote, is either staying in New England, he's retiring, or he's going to play somewhere else. (laughs) First off, a no shit. That's the only three (laughs) options that are available. But he said, but it's the second part, which was staying in New England to me would seem like the least likely option of the three. (sighs) Now, if Brady wins a Super Bowl, I could see him walking off into the sunset. If Brady doesn't win the Super Bowl and still retires, I don't think that would catch any of us by surprise, except for the fact that all we've heard out of Tom Brady is, I want to play until I'm 80. He's always talking about never retiring until he believes it's up. But it's the notion that he might play somewhere else that has me a little bit confounded, and I don't even know what would make sense. I don't even know where he would feel comfortable. It just... I, that kind of caught me off guard. It didn't make sense to me, and I'm curious if it made any sense to you. I just think it's weird. I mean, it would be obviously weird to see Tom Brady in a Bengals uniform, and it would be weird to see him in any other uniform except for the Patriots. But I guess the question always will be, if, if, if it happens or not, is how good could he be somewhere else without Bill Belichick, without Josh McDaniels? I, I don't think – you know, listen, I, I think Bob Kraft is a great owner. I think he's done a great job of making that team into a, 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 a contender every single year from the 2000 until this point. Obviously, Bill Belichick's been a big part of that, as well as Tom Brady. The, the big thing is that, is there any type of loyalty there? And I think there is. I, I, I can't see that Bob Kraft is going to say Tom Brady doesn't end his career here in New England the exact way that he wants to. If Even if it's three losing seasons in a row, he's still our quarterback until he leaves. I think that New England actually owes that to Tom Brady, quite honestly. I think that he's earned that type of equity in that area, earned that equity with that franchise, obviously their fan base. I, I think that at this point, you allow him to end his career exactly the way he wants to. Whatever that is to him, you let him allow him to do it, and you groom the next guy for when Tom Brady leaves. You never force out the greatest one of all time even though we've seen it in San Francisco we've seen it in Green Bay with Favre, we've seen a lot of different places but nobody has been so special to our organization as Tom Brady has been to the New England Patriots the other thing is that he took a lot of hometown discounts throughout his career he could have been the highest paid player every single year for the last 10-15 years he took some discounts to, to, to be there in New England, to me that builds a little bit more equity inside that organization and I, I just couldn't see if I was the owner of making that guy ever go out there on the streets and try to find another team to to play for. To me, there's just like no team in the NFL where it even makes sense. Like Tom Brady's not going to go to a team that is not good. Chicago. There's not a single team in the NFL. Like I just, for me, 
the last thing I want to do is go to the, quote, Windy City, where they've been craving a quarterback since Sid Luckman and dealing with all the bullshit if you don't win. And, like, what about Matt Nagy right now would make Tom Brady ever want to go and play there? Like, there's nothing about that franchise that would make me think. Like, for me, it's either you stay with the Patriots and you keep going or you retire. I just it, – it doesn't make sense. I don't know where he would go. He's not going to the Jets. He's not going to the Giants. Just doesn't make sense. Here, here's a, here's a thought. Um, here's a thought though. In, what if what if Josh yeah, McDaniels gets a head job somewhere? Who better than Tom Brady be to be that first? Okay, now you're talking Westbrook. That's what that's that would be the the situation that you would have to think about. Hey, he loves the Patriots. He loves Josh McDaniels and everything like that. But if McDaniels gets a job in wherever, Tom Brady bringing Tom Brady along that goes a long way to jumpstarting whatever franchise that is. Man, by the way, I just wanted to look this up. Uh, uh, Chicago right now is 20th in the NFL in red zone percentage. Mm -hmm. I just, I watch Chicago's offense and I just, I think it's trash. But to to kind of get back to the AFC, uh, Patriots are the clear number one. We've already talked about the Chiefs. The Ravens were on a bye. And for me, the two teams that stepped up yesterday on Sunday and said, we are fucking for real, are the two teams in the AFC South. The AFC South went 4-0, but for me, it's the Texans and it's the Colts. Deshaun Watson makes an incredible play after the game. He says, I wear number four for a reason. That last big play, that was definitely a Favre-type play. I love that Deshaun Watson wants to be Brett Favre because he has to. And I want to give credit. There was a dude that came to the game yesterday, and he's a big Texans fan. His name's Tom. And right in that drive against the Raiders, where the Raiders had led that game, I think, for 53 minutes, and he goes, this is where Deshaun Watson makes his MVP play. Mm -hmm. And he did that yesterday. They were down 24-20, got it done. Jacoby Brissett. Gets the ball inside of his own five, being wrapped up by former Super Bowl MVP Von Miller, somehow escapes like he's freaking Patrick Mahomes, rolls right and throws one of the most beautiful frozen ropes that I've ever seen 40 yards down the field to T.Y. Hilton, who was masked by Chris Harris the entire game, somehow gets it done, sets up the field goal, and for both of those quarterbacks to make those plays, that for me, I look at the Colts as a whole team. We know their identity. The Texans, it all comes down to Watson. I thought both of those guys proved we are making a move for the playoffs and we are strong enough to maybe, maybe scare a team in the wild card round. Did you see the same thing from the Texans and Colts yesterday? Well, I think what we saw, and you you kind of described it perfectly, is a quarterback on both teams truly willing their teams to victory. I mean, in the grabs. Listen, both of those guys were tackled, basically, and the referee in the old days would have easily blown that, that play dead. But and, and I think I want to say was it they called it last, well, last week, week exactly for Deshaun last Watson last week yeah. with Deshaun Watson Absolutely. they called him down they, they would have called those plays down and dead they're in the ground things like that they allowed them to play the right way and now you see both of those quarterbacks continue to say I'll put it on my shoulder no, just give me give me the pressure the great thing that I love about both of those quarterbacks Brissett as well as Watson is that they always are like hey it's not just me. It's my defense, it's my coach, it's my team. They're team guys. They play it the right way. It's not about me. They're not pointing the finger at themselves. They're pointing the finger at everyone else. And and here's the other thing. When Andrew Luck retired, I came on this show right here and said, the coach are done. No way. Brissett is going, okay, he's a game manager. He'll never get it done. They're not going to be good enough. They needed Andrew Luck to get it done. And listen, I'm sitting here, just I, I stand corrected. Jacoby Brissett can get it done. He's not a game manager. He's a guy that can go win football mm. games. It's, it's, it's been a thing of beauty to watch him throw the ball with such accuracy. And the, he has a live arm, strong arm, big kid. And T.Y. Hilton getting those feet in, all those different things that he's doing. It, it's been beautiful to watch. But when you watch Deshaun Watson, you keep saying he'll be a – if you watch the broadcast, they're saying he'll be MVP soon. He'll be MVP soon because every time he touches the ball, you're like, oh, you're kind of holding on to your seat like, wow, let's watch what he's going to do because he's that special. The one thing I'm worried about is how many hits is he going to take? 
I'm, I'm concerned about that. I, I, I hate seeing my quarterback take those big-time hits, which, which is part of his game. I just want him to make sure that he protects himself in all situations on that football field. Right now, Deshaun Watson is sixth in the NFL in passing yards. He has a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 16-5 to with a QB rating at 105.7. It looks like good enough for third in the NFL. I just got a buzz on my phone, Westbrook, Bleacher Report, BR app. This is the perfect time to subscribe to a lot of NFL teams because the trade rumors are heating up. And apparently, according to ESPN, Westbrook, the Eagles are, quote, taking a shot at Lions cornerback Darius Slay, but the price is very, very high. Mm -hmm. There was a report before yesterday that the Eagles, depending on how how they did against the Buffalo Bills could be huge trade market. It could be Robbie Anderson. It could be Darius Slay. It could be defensive line help. I have a feeling Bill Belichick has been doing this for the last few years. This is when they got Kyle Van Noy. When a lot of teams, just like just like older coaches are more conservative, older GMs don't trade as much, except for Belichick. But all the young GMs, the Les Sneeds, the Howie Rosemans, um, the guy down there in Atlanta, they go and they trade hardcore. And I could see some crazy trades happening. It would be a lot of fun. Um, Bears, do you think Matt Nagy, do you think that there's a chance a year after winning coach of the year that they might let him go if mm. this continues to fall off the rails? Like if this, if this Bears team that was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender falls off this hard, do you think there's a chance that Nagy could be gone? Well, well, let me let me stop you there. Let me just start we'll start with your initial premise. If, if they had a Super Bowl caliber defense, nobody had belief in uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Nobody felt that he was going to come in and be able to uh, will this team to an offensive successful season. Nobody thought that. I, I think a lot of people are still questioning his draft position. So I, I don't think that uh, Matt Nagy's job should be tied to. The performance, in particular, the offensive performance, because he's dependent upon True. Mitchell Trubisky. I think that Trubisky is, is a limited quarterback. I just think that he, he goes out there, he makes some mistakes, throwing the ball to the other team repeatedly. Um, not not very good in the red zone. I'm not sure about their wide receiver position, how good those guys are and being led by Anthony Miller. I think they know how to run the football, but you have to have some explosive plays down the field. The Chargers team is reeling. You couldn't beat that team at home, and you only gave up 17 points. So I, I don't think that Matt Nagy is in a position to lose, because, I mean, lose his job because I think he is one of these young, creative, offensive-minded head coaches. However... In order for I don't think he's creative, Westbrook. I think he is creative. I think, I think, I think we've maybe been oversold a little well, bit. Well, how creative can you be when you have Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback? When you watched that team last year, and again, not this year so much, but when you watched that team last year, Tariq Cohen's in motion and all these different sweeps and all these crazy things, yes. all those things were great. But you have to be successful at the quarterback position, too, to score points. And I just don't think that Trubisky is the guy at this point. At the same point. He was doing this last year with Trubisky and Chase Daniel, yes. and that's exactly my point, is last year there was a game flow. Every time the Bears were on national television, we saw offensive linemen catching touchdowns. Yeah. Their goal line packages, people were saying that Matt Nagy was the greatest goal line play caller that we had ever seen. <laughs> and now I'm seeing them doing sweeps to Tariq Cohen that lose five yards inside the 10. And for Matt Nagy to spend all offseason focused on this kicker issue and then giving away 40 seconds in which you could have advanced the ball where David Montgomery maybe played the best game of the year and you're worried about fumbling and you're not worried about Eddie Panero's inability to make a 40 to 50 yard kick that to me is someone that doesn't understand his team and lacks complete perspective and I look at what's happening to Nagy the Lions are on the up and up the Packers look like they have a resurgence the Vikings are clicking. They're the only team in the division right now that is lost in the sauce. And the scary thing is this roster is going to get worse next year because all the money's on Khalil Mack. It's time to pay Trubisky. All of the money is gone. And so are all of their draft picks because they gave them away for Khalil Mack. 
I look at this Bears team, and I see trouble with a capital T, and if this keeps going down, man, I really don't know if Nagy has a lot of time left. I just want to look really quick at their schedule to see if this gets worse. They go to the Eagles, home against the Lions, at the Rams their next three games. If they're sitting here, Westbrook, at 3-7, and seven, this is the Bears. Yeah. They ain't letting this man sleep at all. I, I Listen, anytime you continuously lose and you have one of the better defenses in the league, it's just hard to keep up with, especially with the coach. I, I just – they're so limited. I mean, who, who are the guys that you're saying these are game breakers on the offense? I think Montgomery had a great game last game. But Tariq Cohen has been a shell of himself all season long. They've used him a little bit differently, different role for him this year. And I think teams have kind of caught up with what they were doing with him last year. Uh, the Wide receiver-wise, Anthony Miller's okay. They haven't been great. They haven't been those standout guys that can go get the ball and make big plays down the field. And, of course, again, it comes back to your quarterback position. Can he win a football game for you? I don't think that anybody has a bunch of confidence in Trubisky's ability to go win a football game for you. And listen, Trubisky was there before Nagy got there, right? I think he was there for a year before Nagy got there. That's not the guy that he drafted. And I don't know that he works for this offense. No. That's going to be a big problem moving forward. And and listen, it may cost Nagy his job. I don't think that it should, especially if you're a coach playing with the most important player on your offense coming from a different system, not the guy that you wanted there at the head of your offense. I've talked we've talked about this so many times man can you imagine Nagy being on the Chiefs when in that draft they draft Patrick Mahomes and then he goes to the team that passed on him and he's sitting there going man I could have been coaching Patrick Mahomes and now I'm coaching Mitchell Trubisky Uh, Westbrook you're the man Uh, I am going to enjoy London I'm going to go and try and get some incredible Indian food apparently it's popping out here fish and chips or something like that too man I'm going to just Oh, no, I, I'm going to be honest. I had a hamburger the other day. It was the worst hamburger I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> it was awful. But I'm coming back. We're going to be in studio on Wednesday. I'm going to try and gain 15 more pounds. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say to the homies out there? No, man. So much. Thanks for taking care of my guy out there. I went back to Villanova's homecoming this week. They lost. Oh, my God. I can't believe they lost the homecoming game. But, man. I, and also, lastly, I appreciate everybody going to my website. I really do appreciate it. It's www.b, as in Brian, bwestbrook.com. So, www.bwestbrook.com. Thank you so much for your support. Obviously, supporting the Brian Westbrook Foundation as well. Thank you, guys. Awesome. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man for Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. Yes. We will holla, holla, holla at you later. Be well, everybody. Toodaloo, chaps.